Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. On today's show, we're talking about a relatively new environmental standard that's increasingly being referenced by government in order to qualify for certain incentives. That standard is called the 2020 Enterprise Green Communities. Enterprise Green Community Certification is available to any housing development in the United States for affordable homes. To date, almost 130,000 affordable homes nationwide are green community certified, and 30 states require or encourage developers seeking affordable housing funding to follow the green community standard. It was launched originally in 2004, and since inception, it's evolved to address the threat of climate change, in addition to water conservation and healthy materials that won't poison residents. In order to comply with the 2020 green community standard, there's a number of mandatory criteria and then a long list of optional criteria that award points. In order to comply, you've got to meet all of the mandatory criteria and then score at least 40 additional points in the optional criteria. The standard is being adopted if you want to take advantage of affordable housing credits or affordable housing funding in most states of the country. Some might think that the adoption follows the traditional Democratic versus Republican state divide, and that's not the case. For example, Texas is one of the states that has adopted the program. California has not. Utah and North Dakota have adopted it. Vermont and Maine have not. The checklist for compliance is a 14-page document that's pretty thick with descriptions of the mandatory and optional criteria. The document's broken into eight chapters, and briefly, the eight chapters are number one, integrative design. That section deals with how you've engaged the community and the construction team in your design. It just speaks to how you communicate it in the design process. Number two, location and neighborhood fabric. This section deals with how you play into the community. They don't want you to be wasteful of land, so there's minimum density requirements. For example, you have to have at least 15 units per acre for a multifamily apartment project. They also want you to use existing infrastructure like roads and utilities as much as possible, and they want you located close to public transit, and you have to have access to high-speed internet. Number three, site improvements. They want to make sure that your development site won't create stormwater management problems for the surrounding area. They also want you to reuse water for irrigation rather than using drinking water for irrigation. If you're going to be using drinking water, you have to make sure you don't use too much. Number four, water. All of your fixtures in the project have to be WaterSense certified. WaterSense labeled products are certified to use at least 20% less water and comply with that specific EPA standard. Number five, operating energy. You have to certify all the buildings with residential units in the project, meet the Energy Star Multifamily New Construction Standard, or the Energy Star Manufactured Home, or the Energy Star Certified Homes, depending on which set of rules applies. Number six, materials. This section deals with disposal of construction waste, as well as some of the material choices like paints and adhesives. You need to use materials that prevent moisture penetration, and therefore they won't harbor molds. Number seven, healthy living environment. This section has a lengthy list of mandatory requirements, including radon mitigation. Of course, no lead is allowed. You've got to have direct vented equipment if it's involved in combustion. You also have to comply with the ASHRAE standard 62.1 for ventilation and for dehumidification. And number eight, operations, maintenance, and resident engagement. This section, frankly, is just best practices that any professional property management firm should have no problem with. These standards not only apply to new construction, but also to buildings that are being renovated. Naturally, the criteria vary somewhat depending whether you're doing new construction or renovation, but they apply nonetheless. 
as real estate investors, some choose specifically to play in the affordable housing segment. Now, not all affordable housing will be new construction. Some will be remodeled. But in order to qualify for these federal and state incentive programs, adherence to the green community standard is an essential step. A lot's been written about various advanced building standards over the years. First, there was the LEED program. That standard was divided back in 1994 for leadership in energy and environmental design. But LEED buildings didn't pay very much attention to whether materials chosen could release toxins into the air that would remain trapped in the newly airtight construction. There's a more recent standard called WELL, W-E-L-L, that is focused more on making healthy buildings. There's so many materials that have extended curing periods after manufacture. Adhesives, paints, plastics, cements, and so on can release toxins into the air for months or even years after the building's completed. So if you adhere to the green community standard, it turns out that you also adhere to the latest revision of the WELL standard. The two standards bodies have teamed up together to provide greater collaboration and cross-certification. These standards are not particularly onerous to meet, but you're not going to meet them by accident. There's a lot of details to consider with your architecture team. You've got to be paying attention. As you think about that, take a closer look at the 2020 Enterprise Green Community Standard. Have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. I'll talk to you again tomorrow.